This is episode 230, Getting Out of Scarcity Thinking and Limiting Money Stories with Emily. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. As a reminder, every Wednesday, I put out an episode that's numbered, like this one, episode 230, and that's a live coaching call. These calls are always unscripted, unedited, and unproduced. And if you've been on the show, you know that. You know we literally get on the call and I say, hi, let's go. (laughs) And every weekend, every Saturday, I put up something called Coach's Corner, where I have an expert come on or I just guide you through a meditation or talk about a topic. This last week's episode was so good. Definitely go back and listen to that with Ellen Bader, who's a therapist that specializes in attachment styles. So if you missed that, go check it out. And if you're new to the show, go and binge. There's been 230 episodes. Well, actually almost 500 episodes if you include Coach's Corners. There's been 230 coaching calls. So I encourage you to go on a binge, look through the titles, and you'll start to see actually that any episode has something that resonates with you. And thank you to all of you who have been leaving ratings and reviews. It's so awesome to see them. It really, really helps the show. So if you haven't left a rating and review, I encourage you to go over and do so. I really appreciate it. I read them all and it really helps not just leave a rating, but also to leave a review as well. So I'm recording this only a few days after we We're all very shocked by the news that Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and other families were killed in a tragic helicopter crash last, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday. And I know that many of you, many of you have reached out to me about this. How do we deal with it? How do we process it? How are we feeling so emotional about someone that we didn't even know personally? Honestly, there aren't answers to that question. I did a post on Instagram about this recently that when there's any kind of death, whether it's someone super close to us or someone that was more aspirational, someone who we felt like we knew, but we didn't know personally. When anyone dies, whether it's sudden shock or we have some knowing of their passing, like if they're ill, it's a very hard thing to process for the psyche because grief is involved and grief isn't even though people talk about the five stages of grief and that's very relevant and very helpful, grief isn't a process that you can just tick off boxes. Going through a grief process isn't the same as if I were to teach you you know, how to really manifest something. I could break that down into how you need to think, how you need to feel, blocks you need to remove, steps to go through. But grief is so personal and so individual for all of us. And I think with Kobe, thinking about him and his daughter and his wife and their family left behind, and then the other families that are just broken apart by the family members that died. There were other children, other parents on that helicopter and the pilot and his family. It's it's overwhelming to think about that much loss and overwhelming to think about how did this man that we knew who was a legend and was up to so many amazing things. I recently listened to him on a podcast with Jay Shetty where he was talking about the children's books that he was writing and all the things that he was committed to. 
And to have someone just poof, be gone is like shocking. And we go, why? Why? Why does that happen? And honestly, honestly, my loves, we just, we don't know. We really don't know. And the best we can do is pray for those families, send as much love and light as we possibly can. At the same time, feel our own feelings of grief because what that brings up is the truth that people we love are going to die. And that's not something that's talked about a lot. You know, death is one of those subjects we don't really talk about a lot. And it's something that for a lot of us, we don't think about on a daily basis. In a lot of ways, we take for granted our loved ones getting home safely every day. And I think in times like this, maybe we pay a little more attention to the people in our life. Maybe we're a little more grateful for a loved one getting home safely. And instead of paying attention to the things that annoy us or irritate us about people, we really just open our hearts even more and know that every moment is precious. Life is so full of possibility and potential and life is also fragile in a lot of ways. And that's contrast. <laughs> that's the human experience. And so focus on the, the possibilities of life and also just bring your awareness to the preciousness of each moment. So in your grieving, for those of you that are grieving, and even if you don't feel like you're grieving, but you do feel shocked by it and your mind's trying to figure it out, take that energy and channel it into sending your love and your light to those families and all impacted. And then drop into your heart and see if you can just love more. Love yourself, love your loved ones, just love more. Soak in the preciousness of each moment. So shifting gears to our podcast topic for today, which is really about our money story. And Emily calls in and she starts asking about her purpose, but what we get to is really her relationship with money because that's impacting a lot of things. So as you're listening to this call, consider when you think about money, what comes up for you? Do you feel free and abundant? Do you feel neutral about it? Do you feel excited about it because you love all the things that it can do and create? Or do you feel stressed about it? Does it worry you? Does it concern you? Growing up, what were you told about money? What were you told about what it takes to make it? What were you told about having it? What were you told about people who have it? What were you told about how it works? Maybe not just what you were told, but what did you observe? What was modeled for you? Do you live paycheck to paycheck, even though you'd much rather be financially free? And do you know what your purpose is? And if so, do you believe you can actually make money doing it? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Emily. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode. So those of you who have been listening for a while know I've had some issues with my feet. A year and a half ago, I was nursing a fractured foot. And in rehabbing my foot, I really learned that heels are just no good. <laughs> They're no good for our feet. They're no good for our back. They're just not a good health investment. Good to look at but not the best health investment, which is why I love Rothy's. Rothy's are the perfect everyday shoe for life on the go. And especially for me, someone who doesn't wear heels and likes looking cute. That's why I love their stylish and comfortable flats that go with everything from my yoga pants to dresses to skirts. They come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns 
and they're available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, and more. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks. They have playful designs and fun pops of colors that perk up every outfit while still looking stylish and professional. Rothy's are also seamlessly knitted using thread made from plastic water bottles, so they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. No risk, no reason not to try. And honestly, it will really blow your mind. They're made from repurposed plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. Another major bonus, they are fully machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can just simply toss them in the washing machine. It's like getting a brand new pair. I love that. And love this. Rothy's own and operate their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. Plus they ship your shoes directly in the box. No unnecessary packaging. So here's your call to action. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash over to get your new favorite flats, comfort style and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. You'll love them. Trust me. Head to rothys.com slash over today. And now on to my coaching call with Emily. Emily, welcome to the show. What's your question? Thank you, Christine. My question is, how do I get clarity on my purpose and get clarity on the vision that I want for my life? Well, where are you so far with it? (laughs) Well... It's very vague. Why this has come up is just with, you know, the energy of the new year and we're going into a new decade and a lot of the goal setting exercises and things that I've done. One of the things that is being taught is to get very, very clear on where you want to go and what you want your life to look like. And I just find it very difficult for me to kind of just vision, like just to get a clear picture of what I want. Like, it's almost like it's paralyzing to me to think that far in advance. Mm. Well, that's not a bad thing. Okay. So maybe your, your feelings are giving you feedback to the actual correct way to vision, Mm -hmm. which is, it's fun to, to think of specific things, but many of us may not be able to think of specific things because we create more from feeling than Mm -hmm. we do thought. So Mm -hmm. if you think about how you want your life to be a year from now, who cares about what you're doing or where you're working or Mm -hmm. who you're with or anything, how do you want to be feeling? I want to be feeling free, (laughs) financially free. What does feeling financially free feel like? It just means that I don't have to you know, I'm not worrying about, you know, constantly thinking ahead on my budget, which I know it's good. I know it's good to budget. Um, but yeah. <laughs> just constantly, you know, thinking ahead, like, okay, how am I going to pay for this? I'm not going to be able to do this. I want to be able to, you know, to donate to charities, find a charity that I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about their work and give to them and start giving back and things like that. So you want to feel calm? Mm-hmm. You want to feel free. You want to feel generous. Mm-hmm. What else? I want to feel like I'm living on purpose. Like when I wake up each day, I'm not just going to work to get a paycheck. You know, I'm going 
to do the work that I'm meant to do in the world, like making an impact. And what does that feel like? Give me a feeling word. (sighs) Expansive. Mm -hmm. Expansive, connected, inspired, passionate. All of those, (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like inspired, creative in flow. Yeah. All of those. And so do you believe, because going back to your initial question, Mm -hmm. do you think that getting clarity on your purpose is going to give you financial freedom and is going to give you all these feelings that you want? Probably not because I've listened to your podcast for a while and I've followed your work for a while. And I know one of the things that you teach is generating those feelings first, generating those feelings from the inside and then your external role will shift once you shift your internal world. Yes. Yes. It may shift Mm -hmm. or the way you relate to it shifts. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me that teaches it. It's Mm -hmm. pretty much anyone that knows anything about Mm -hmm. how things are actually created. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so much our feelings that Mm -hmm. create more, even more than our thoughts. Mm-hmm. thoughts are powerful but it's the feelings we have when thinking those thoughts that are even more powerful mm-hmm. so let me ask you this why did you ask me the initial question you did about how do I get clarity on my purpose it's a great question I'm not judging the question right. I'm just curious why you asked it I just I don't think I've I've never really felt like I have been living on purpose it's more of just moving on to the next thing like whatever the next thing like whatever feels good, basically. Is it whatever feels good or whatever pays (laughs) the bills and eases your mind about your finances? A little bit of both. Um, And I was about to say a lot of whatever keeps me comfortable, whatever keeps me away from things that make me uncomfortable. I do have a tendency to kind of have like avoidance rather like staying away from what I don't want rather than moving towards what I do want. Mm -hmm. So since a lot of your decisions mm-hmm. about work and re- and just as a PS, our purpose in life isn't really what we do. Mm-hmm. Our purpose in life is to grow and evolve our consciousness and mm-hmm. to move out of fear and more into love and to move out of separation and more into union and to mm-hmm. feel ourselves as God, as source, as universe. Mm-hmm. What we do, our relationships, our career, having children, all of those things are expressions and part of the human experience. But please don't ever think your purpose in this life exists in a job. Right. That's giving a lot of your power away to form rather than really focusing on the essence of what we're all here for. Mm -hmm. So that was a long PS, but back to (laughs) what I was saying, which is so many of your decisions about work, it seems like have been driven by a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. So I think what would be worthwhile for us to talk about is about your relationship with money, your money story and self-worth. Okay. Because I sense, and you tell me if it resonates with you, that that's impacting getting clear about how you really want to express in the world in the form of a job. And I Mm -hmm. say that not just intuitively, but also because when I asked you what getting clarity on your purpose would feel like, the first thing you said was financial freedom. Mm-hmm. So that shows us both really what matters to you most 
is you just want the burden that you feel to be lifted. Mm-hmm. The burden and the fear that comes with it. Yeah. So does this sound like a good road to go down? I think so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Growing up, what was it like regarding money in your house? What was the situation? What was the conversation? What were your parents' relationships with money? We always had everything that we needed and a lot of, you know, most of, of what we wanted growing up. I do remember my mom, you know, she was a big saver, very, very frugal. Like looking back on it now, it was very much a scarcity mindset. Like there was never going to be enough. We've got to save every, every single way that we can. Um, was that actually wanna... said? I guess that's how I interpreted it. And then remember some of the things that were said about money. Yeah. I remember any times when we would come across someone that was, you know, wealthy or it appeared that they were spending money frivolously, you know, she would say things like they have more money than they have common sense. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and there's a passage somewhere in the Bible that says like, it's wealthier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I kind of made that mean that, you know, you're a bad person if you, you're you not going to go to heaven if you have a lot of money. Basically, like you're either born into money or you're like a crook if you aren't born into money and you wind up with money. So mm. those were a lot of the things like that were said about having a lot of money and money can't buy happiness, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see where there's some blocks with all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then what were you told about you? Like growing up, one thing I was always told is I was so smart and I was so good. What are some mm-hmm. things that, so well-behaved, what were some things that were said about you? I remember my mom saying to me on multiple occasions that I've always been wise beyond my years. Mm-hmm. That really stands out. <laughs> my dad had this, I don't know where he got this, but <laughs> he called me long headed one time, which basically meant that like, I was very just stubborn. And so I don't know, <laughs> it just makes me laugh thinking about it. Now, I don't know where he got that term or what it has to do with being stubborn. But um, I remember my dad telling me that one time, um, I was the oldest sister or like the oldest sibling. I just had a younger sister. And I remember feeling a lot of, you know, pressure and responsibility to be, you know, to be big, uh, to be the big girl, to always take the high road. And, you know, she's little, she doesn't know what she's doing. And mm-hmm. so I feel like a lot of responsibility was placed on me. Mm-hmm. And what's your sister's situation with her career and money now? <laughs> She's still in school. She's still a student. I would say it's pretty similar. I've not really talked to her about it. Like what, you know, let's talk about your money story. But she works a lot. She works Mm -hmm. really, really hard. So she's a very hard worker. Mm -hmm. And is she clear what she wants to do? No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, no. Granted, most most of us in college shouldn't be clear about what we want to do. We're babies. And how old are you now? I am 30. You're 30 now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason I was just asking about your sister was just to see how, if the family patterning affected both of you, and it seems like it did. It'll be curious though, if your sister 
is a little more passionate or gives herself a little more room to explore since she didn't have the pressure of being like the good big sister. Mm-hmm. But why I asked you too, what was reinforced about you is because can you see that the positive things that were reinforced mm-hmm. directly conflict with what your parents told you about people with money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. being a wise and a good person directly conflicts with everything they said about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wow. People that spend have no common sense that mm-hmm. people only get rich if they're crooks type of things. <laughs> so wow. if you want to be wise and you want to be good, then you can't have money. Yeah. And wow. so your whole, you know, identity of being wise and good mm-hmm. is in direct conflict with having money. So I can see why unconsciously it's been a problem. It's been a block because even though consciously you and I can agree that having money and having financial freedom to not worry, to be able to be generous, to have an abundant mindset. We can agree consciously that that's Mm -hmm. way better on so many levels than scarcity thinking and living paycheck to paycheck and stressing about money. Mm -hmm. But our conscious thought is only 5% of our brain activity, Mm -hmm. which means 95% is unconscious programming. And you've got a lot of unconscious programming around money being bad. Mm -hmm. And if you have money, then are you lovable? Yeah. Again, doesn't make sense to the conscious mind, but can you see how on the unconscious level in the back of your brain, there's a contradiction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Like I've never, I've never connected those dots before, but it, I mean, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And so what I would encourage is not so much trying to figure out what, what are you doing now for work? I'm a registered dietitian. Mm-hmm. And does that mean you're seeing clients? How are you using oh, that for? I'm sorry. <laughs> I work um, in dining services for a large university. Okay. So I'm, I'm seeing students. I'm helping them with their meal plans. Students that have food allergies. I'm helping them out. Um, different health and wellness events on campus. The like. And you don't enjoy it or you do? I do enjoy it. Most of the time I do enjoy it. Okay, good. <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't, it's not abundant enough for you financially. No. Okay. Um, and why did you pursue that? Why did I pursue just this particular job or just mm-hmm. being a dietitian? Dietitian. Mm-hmm. Being a dietitian. I've just, I'm fascinated by the way the body works. And I'm fascinated that we can, like, we can destroy our bodies with what we eat or we can we can heal our bodies with with what we eat and I've just always found the science just absolutely fascinating and um do you know what do you know what I find absolutely fascinating yes what that we can destroy our income and our Mm -hmm. money-making ability with our thoughts Mm -hmm. and beliefs and we Uh can totally heal and expand our (laughs) money-making ability with our thoughts and beliefs yeah. It's exactly the same as the body. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree that if someone is putting junk food and diet sodas and, you know, what else is bad? Just a bunch of crap. Right. <laughs> They're ingesting <laughs> all that. I don't need, I don't need a lot of crap. So it's hard for me to come up with examples in their system that their body is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what kind of junk food (laughs) beliefs do you think you have in your unconscious mind around money? 
that the first one that popped into my mind is like, if I get a lot of money, if I become wealthy, it's going to corrupt me. It's going to make me greedy and I'm just going to want to hold on to it and never do anything good with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am wealthy, um, it's going to make, you know, friends, family that aren't wealthy, resentful and jealous. If I'm wealthy, it's it's going to corrupt me. I'm just going to spend it frivolously, not mm. spend it wisely. <laughs> so basically you're not wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're not yeah. good because your friends and family are going to be jealous. Mm-hmm. So your way through this from my perspective, because like, I don't believe that about money. Yeah. And, but it's a lot because of what I was conditioned with and what I was raised with and also the abundance work that I've done and the uh-huh. own, the, the work that I've done on my money story and my money beliefs. Uh-huh. Just like I've had to work on my emotional body, my physical body, our financial body is something we don't talk about a lot, yeah. but we have, we have a relationships with money. Uh-huh. And so, like I was saying, really, I think your question is, how do I free myself from scarcity thinking so that I can live an abundant life, both in terms of money and in terms of expression and what you want to do in the world. Cause you found a passion. It sounds like Mm -hmm. of helping people shift their relationship to food of educating people around food. Isn't that something that is, is helping people a passion of yours? No, definitely. Okay. So you've identified it. Yeah. That part is done. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of more, how do I monetize it? Right. So the work is really around moving out of scarcity thinking and healing a lot of your limiting beliefs around money. Okay. Because when we are afraid, if you had to pick, you could have love for the rest of your life or lots of money, (laughs) which would you choose? I would pick love. Yeah. Most of us would. Mm-hmm. And to your unconscious mind and to some part of you, money may cost you love. Okay. Which is not true, but some part of you still believes that. So we want to be very gentle and compassionate with that part who believes, well, if I become one of those corrupt people like my mom talks about, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be loved. And I yeah. want to be loved. So I'm just going to stay, I'm going to keep myself in check by staying paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a job and be a contributing person, but I'm going to really stay below the surface so that I can keep love. Mm -hmm. Is this landing with you, Emily? Yeah. Yeah. And the way you kind of reframed it as learning to shift from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset, like I can see how that resonates with other areas of my life as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I would suggest really diving into some books and resources around okay. the energy of money, our relationship with money, mm-hmm. um, 
I really like my friend Kate Northrup's book for the love of money. Is that what it's called? No, that's not what it's called. That's my friend, Chris Harder's podcast. That's a good one to listen to. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get the book and say it in the outro. That sounds good. But, yeah. Uh, but look, just Google her Kate Northrup and you'll see it. Money, a love mm-hmm. story. That's what it's called. Money, a love story. Um, I would listen to Joe Dispenza. I would listen to Abraham Hicks. I would start. And also, are you in my personal mastery course by any chance? I am. Oh, good. So Mm -hmm. do, have you gotten to the empty chair process? Yes. Okay. So I would put, I would do that with the part of you that feels that having money is going to cost you love. Okay. And talk to that part and be compassionate and work with that fear. And help that, help re-educate that part and reassure her that as she starts to have more money, she's still going to be loved. Mm-hmm. She's not going to lose herself. Mm-hmm. She's not going to be abandoned. She's not going to be ridiculed. She's not going to forget who she really is. <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because one of, another thing that my mom used to tell me all the time is to remember who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I would, you know, teenager, I'd roll, much just roll my eyes. I'd okay, mom, whatever. But as I'm getting older, it's like, yeah, you need to, that's what you're doing. You're remembering who you are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Does this give you some guidance? Yes. Thank you so much. Any other questions? I can't think of any. Thank you. So what are your action steps? <laughs> I am going to Google Kate Northrup and uh, get her book. Joe Dispenza, is that, um, I've heard of him. Is it a podcast? He's been on a gazillion podcasts. Okay. (laughs) You can listen to him on podcasts. Mm -hmm. He's been on a gazillion. He has so many free YouTube videos. He has meditations. Mm -hmm. I definitely listen to him a little bit before you listen to his meditations. Mm Because for some people, his meditations are a little weird. They're not not like, close your eyes and take deep breaths. (laughs) Okay. Not those kind of meditations. Uh, But maybe start with Abraham Hicks. Also... Um, Mm -hmm. There's a little book called The Abundance Book. I've recommended it on the show before by John Randall Price or something, something like that. I'll put all this in the, in the takeaways at the end, but it's a great little 40 day abundance book that you can do, which has you writing out things every day. So that's another great resource. Okay. And And also the empty chair process. Mm -hmm. The empty chair process. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, great. Well, you're in mastery. So yep. we're connected and you can check in with me on the Facebook group and let me know how you're doing with all this. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Do you have more clarity on your purpose now? <laughs> yes. So yes. just to sum it up, mm-hmm. your purpose right now, Emily, is mm-hmm. to realize you are worthy of both financial abundance and love. Mm-hmm. I'm worthy. And to realize you are abundant. Mm-hmm. The universe is an abundant place. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you so much to Emily for your honesty, your vulnerability, and you really just listened and, and took in everything that I was saying. And also you were tuning in to see how it feels for you. And that's a lesson for everybody listening. I am not the authority on anything except my my own personal experience. And if I ever say something that just does not resonate in your bones, throw it out. Now that's different 
than if I say something that's like, oof, gosh, I don't like that she said that. And oh, that's hard to hear. But in my bones, I know that's right. Then maybe take it in. But please don't ever let me or anyone else tell you something about you or put something in your head that doesn't resonate with you. We get brainwashed enough in childhood, from media, from just everything we observe. So a big part of personal development maturity and spiritual awareness is really you're tuning into your inner, inner discernment. And I heard Emily doing that several times. She'd say, oh, I never thought about that, but that feels right. She was really listening, but she was also really dropping in. So Emily, if you're listening, I really want to reflect that back to you. You're more in touch with your inner wisdom and your intuition than I think you think you are. And I think because you, Emily, have been in fear so much about money and living paycheck to paycheck that maybe you've disconnected from your incredible, powerful intuition. And I just encourage you to drop back into that even more. So let's break down this call. There's not too much to say because I did a lot of teaching in the call. But going back to her initial question, how do I get clarity on my purpose? She actually is clear on what she wants to do. And I made this distinction to Emily and I want to make it to all of you. Please don't think your purpose in life is in the form of your career. Our careers and what we do in the world and and being parents and being in a relationship, especially our careers... They get confused for this is what I'm on the earth to do. This is my purpose in this world. No. What I really feel is true, and again, see if this sinks in for you, is our purpose is to evolve our soul as much as possible. Our purpose is to come back into knowing we are whole, we are complete, we are love. We move more and more out of fear, more and more out of judgment we're healing past issues, we're elevating our consciousness, we're doing the work. And that, that's the purpose. Our career, our profession, those are expressions of what we do. Now that said, just because your purpose is not your career, that doesn't mean that you need to be in a soul-sucking career. (laughs) Your purpose in life is also not to suffer. So if you want to move out of something where you really feel like you're suffering and your soul is literally being sucked out of your body while you're sitting there in the cubicle or wherever you are, know that part of your purpose is joy. (laughs) And so you deserve to have something that brings you more joy, whatever that looks like for you. So back to Emily. That was her initial question, but she was actually quite clear on what she was doing for work. And she was being a dietitian. She was helping people with health. Now, it may evolve for her. She may step out of being a dietitian in a more clinical format. She may step into health coaching. Who knows how it will evolve? But she's found something that she loves. That really isn't the problem. The problem here was the making money and the attracting the kind of jobs and experiences and even dreaming about the kind of career she could have was limited by her limiting money story. And you heard as we dissected her money story that growing up, she was told some pretty powerful things about money, that rich people are crooks, you can't trust them. You know, she was also told that she was so smart and wise and she was wise beyond her years and all those kinds of things. But people that had money, they were only trustworthy if they inherited it because if they made it on their own, they were crooks. There were a lot of conflicting messages. So you can see how having money, according to 
what her parents told her would do to her, like in her unconscious mind, because of the programming, she made having money mean I'd be a crook and I wouldn't be trustworthy. But that's a direct contradiction to who she's been told she is and who she thinks she is. So making a lot of money meant to her that she may not have love and that she may lose friends and family. And that hasn't been worth it to her. So can you see how unconsciously she's been kind of sabotaging herself and living paycheck to paycheck because having money is terrifying. Even though her conscious mind wants it, her unconscious mind is completely terrified about the idea because that means she could lose love and relationships. Make sense, everybody? Remember, unconscious mind, 95% of our behavior and actions. Well, behavior and actions are very similar. (laughs) 95% of our behavior and conscious thoughts are from our unconscious mind. So we have to bring more awareness to what's in the unconscious because just because she consciously wants to make more money, she's got some unconscious blocks. So her work is really about dissecting and updating her money story. I recommended the abundance book by John Randolph Price. And I recommend to her and to all of you to look for money mindset type of things, not just money mindset, not just affirmations about money, but books and programs and information that help you dissect your money story. Because even our relationship with money can be traumatic. If you grew up not having a lot of money or you grew up being told money was evil, then there's some trauma with money there. So let's use an analogy. If you had trauma with girls in school, let's say you were really, really bullied and teased by other girls or boys in school, whoever. If you had trauma, let's just use the other girls example. If you had trauma with other girls in school, do you think it's going to be hard to make girlfriends as a grown-up? Probably because you're scared of them. You're scared of getting hurt again. So you avoid other women and girlfriends like the plague until you heal that trauma. So some of us have some trauma around money. And just like we go back and heal the emotional wounds, we've got to go back and heal the financial wounds as well. So some takeaways for you. Look at your money story. Check out some of those resources that I spoke to you about. Really get some new belief systems in place. Next, work those belief systems. You've got to start telling yourself a different story and collect evidence for why that new story is true. Third, really look at how you're making money in your life. And if you feel like you're quote unquote on purpose, if you feel like you're on purpose and you're not making money, then you may want to look at the belief of, I can't make money doing what I love and really start to unpack that one. And finally, this isn't a direct takeaway from the show, but finally we have now about four spots left for my spring retreat. Not a lot of spots. So I highly, highly, highly suggest if you want to come that this is your year to do it. It's my most powerful work that I do. I've talked about it a lot. You've probably heard me talk about it, so I won't say too much more. Just go to christinehasler.com slash spring retreat. You can learn all about it there. Love the opportunity to give you a massive hug and meet you in person. Love meeting my podcast listeners. Also be sure to share this show. Be sure to tag me helps the show grow a lot. And then it gives me a chance to say hello and thank you on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you share the things. I'm on Instagram most of the time. All right, everybody. That's the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Till next time. 
Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 